Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune into the trade addicts podcast thank you and enjoy your podcast do you have the time to listen to me grind take down the film watchers and nerds all at once i am one of those skeptical of status quo lazy and to the bone no doubt about it Sometimes I grind my Excel sheets Sometimes pour cold water on heat When the math's not adding up You said I'm checking out I'm working to the ground Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads My name's Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter I write for Dynasty League Football. This is a member of the DLF family of podcasts. And one day I'll write it down. There's some other stuff. Um, welcome back. Uh, so this is one of those episodes where I really had a strong idea of what I wanted to talk about. And then I started talking about it in my head. And then I got back here and was ready to record. And I was like, I'll just check a few things. And instead I you know, started doing other things. It's one of those ones where I've done it in my head so many times, I'm kind of bored with it. And a few times I've been like, that's it, that's perfect. It's a real shame I wasn't recording. Um, so yeah, w- w- welcome back, I-, I guess. Um, so the theme for this week is generational. I want to start thinking in generational terms. Especially because some of the conversations I think we're going to be having a lot this off season, I think that background noise we should probably have in our heads while, while we scream and shout at each other about it. But before we get into it, um, I, I, I wanted to point out, just in case you hadn't seen, I dropped the update for our prospect database, which is public, pinned to my Twitter timeline, pinned to my Patreon timeline, entirely free, and way too many people helped me out to build it at this point, that that will ever change, and they're all listed, and you should follow all of them for the wizards that they are, and yeah, if you want any stats, like, if you like stats or just want to amateur it up like me and play with a few of them, like, there they are. I'm, I'm tracking everything I can find that I can calculate. And um, not calculate, so just raw stats. Um, for everyone that I can find that's played in the NFL or been an NFL prospect from 2003 all the way to 2021, I currently have, uh, what is it, like 144 players from the 2021 supposed class because we actually don't know the full declared list right now, and that's something to keep in mind. Um, how many play- 142 players currently in there there'll be more and there'll be less as they declare or as we learn new ones come the combine but yeah if you want to go see the stats and if you're not into stats and you just want to own more nerds more often i think it's pretty useful for that because no matter what stat 
you say that you like, you can go and filter an entire database by that stat, just highest to lowest or lowest to highest or whichever it goes, and then just start saying names because prospecting is hard. And if someone likes College Dominator and, and you don't like the player, then you can go and fil- filter by College Dominator. Or how about Average Dominator? And start saying things like, uh, let's see, um, yeah, Cr- Chris Henry... Chris Henry was great with a 58% average dominator. He sure killed it in the NFL. He had a higher dominator than Demarius Thomas at zero top 24 seasons and at 9% target share in his first year. And that that should that should set him right. That, sh- that should really annoy them. And, you know, you will have owned another nerve for the day. Or Jarrett Dillard. Yeah, 52% average dominator. Higher than Calvin Johnson, don't you know? That that would annoy me if I was the nerd you were talking to. So, yeah, it can be used in a variety of ways. And, and feel free to do that, I guess. Because um, it's free and fun. So, um, 2021 class. I'm going to... I swear, I'm going to get some people on this podcast pretty soon. Ray GQ may be willing... Uh, depending on if he's not off being too cool somewhere from the Devi uh, Destination podcast uh, and Patreon. Zach Reed, I can normally wrangle into coming on here through, you know, telling me the truth finally, um, since I, I don't watch football. Uh, and Zach Reed's got some great football acumen, and he'll tell me what players are actually like and why I'm wrong. Um, and also some others, I hope. Um, but for now, I'm still staying broad. I don't have ranks because, you know... T- take that, society. I don't have rookie ranks in January that you're going to need in seven seven months. Only not need because you'll have your own by then. So, yeah, I'm cool because I'm not comfortable. No, I don't know. I just don't have them yet. I, I want, I'm not comfortable with the class yet. I don't feel a great deal of pressure. I don't know how people have ranks yet. I don't. I don't understand how you, I guess they pay attention to college. Um, and they've had a lot longer to think about it. I'm sure that's the reason. So, um, generational. I spent some significant time trying to find patterns and arguments for, because I really like the concept, because I think it's true, that the NFL is sometimes chasing things that don't exist in college. Let me explain. I think if you start thinking generationally, especially with college players, and yes, I did emphasize the L's in generationally there. I don't know why. Um, just did. Um... College players are very different from NFL players for a variety of reasons, mainly because they're children, not adults, so they're definitely growing up. I think that's one of the reasons age has value in terms of how well they produce at different ages, because they have less physical advantages, and so it's more about some sort of raw acumen or ability or skill or whatever the hell that stuff is. But another thing is you can't really just go out and find another 18-year-old or 20-year-old or 23-year-old to play. They're in fairly limited supply in terms of the classes that are available to you and the amount that you know about them. And I don't know much about college prospecting. That's probably pretty clear at this point. But um, I imagine trading doesn't happen in college, right? Transferring's becoming more and more common, and that's a feature we should probably spend more time talking about. But what am I talking about here? If the best players from high school happen to be slot receivers or alpha receivers 
neither of those two things really exist in the true form of the words, as I've mentioned about alpha receivers at least once at least, but that's where it is. And now the same thing is true with the NFL, but specifically thinking about the switch over from college to the NFL, since I don't know about college, my idea was that the NFL is often seeking something to fit what they want to do. And this isn't just pro-style offense versus, you know, whatever college is, amateur-style offense, I guess. It's more, if you're always looking for Calvin Johnsons, and there's no Calvin Johnson in this class, then you're going to overdraft Calvin Johnson lookalikes, right? Now, by and large, I think looking at the history of the NFL, I ultimately failed to make a great argument for that, which is a shame because I think it would really play. I think that would slap as an argument. But I think it's fair to say, on average, the NFL does pretty well at adjusting to where the talent is. There's no Calvin Johnson, there's a Tyler Boyd kind of a thing. But I still think, and I've mentioned the the one I mention the most often, is draft capital. The NFL has biases which are not necessarily best for their teams or for the league or because of what actually happens or is true. In the same way we all do. I think the clearest one to note is that players who are good but lower drafted will get faded for worse players with more draft capital constantly. I, I can't express how... Much There is no other explanation for why some players are playing and some players aren't than draft snobbery in the NFL. But it's just an opinion, to be clear. But I think it's a pretty clear bias. I also think, and I really wish someone had mentioned this while I was running around like a chicken with parts of its anatomy cut off, wondering loudly if Tyler Johnson was a nut puncher. If someone who actually watches college, could have mentioned that the NFL hasn't spent more than a fifth-round pick on any player from the Big Ten West. None. I remember, by the way, fun callback while looking through that list, Kenny Bell. There's a guy I had hope for. He's one of those fifth-round picks, and that's it. In the entire history that I can find in that databasey thing that I said is out now, um, of the Big Ten West... Like, there's about three or four players out of, like, 20 or 30 that have fifth-round draft capital, and that's it. I think there's a conference bias. Now, we know, I, even I know that to some extent, you know, the memes and jokes about Alabama players and just draft the Alabama offense, whether they're good or bad, Alabama bump, whatever. But I didn't know quite how stark it was for players that I really think clearly indicate that they could be exceptionally better than others from those conferences, and this is now a Rashad Bateman problem, because he was on the Tyler Johnson team, and if that's the bias that made Tyler Johnson, who, by the way, every time he was on the NFL field with Tom Brady this year, the announcer would say, it's a mystery why he was drafted so late, followed by him not being on the team the next week, because he has no draft capital, and the team actually is resplendent with wide receivers. It was just the first team that took one of the best prospects from this class because he was in the fifth round and they couldn't find a kicker they wanted, I guess. So that's now a Rashad Bateman problem. So either Tyler Johnson has some nut-punching problems, like he just, and the idea was he just must drop to his knees and Mm, full full swing into the groin every time he meets someone, because that's the only explanation I could come up with. But again, someone might have wanted to have mentioned to me that the NFL has never, literally never spent a third-round pick of someone from this conference. Now, hopefully, Bateman can change that fate of the Big Ten West, because he looks 
Really, is it Big Ten West? Now I have to go look. Yeah, Big Ten West. Oh, also Rondo Moore. One of the best age-adjusted production college 18-year-old seasons ever. Big Ten West. So that's fun. I'm sure I'm sure they won't get a lack of draft capital because the NFL does have biases and sometimes don't adjust to where the talent is, but that's not where I was going. I'm I, I now it's all I want to talk about, but it's not. We're going to move on. I'm really thinking about roles here. Moving on from my rant about alphas, I want to talk about rant about quote-unquote slot guys because a few guys have really stuck out to me that I have actually reached out and get a little feedback from, at least from Zach Reig. So I really trust his process and I really like his process and he's normally got a screenshot of literal notes from the player written out in his true in- English major form. Um, um, have been quote-unquote middle-of-the-field slot guys. So will the NFL adjust to where the talent is if Rondo Moore and the other one that's been sticking out to me, no matter which way I start looking through these uh, profiles or college careers, is Elijah Moore is pretty interesting. He's from the SEC West, which is actually one of the highest hit rate groups um, coming from college. So that's going in Elijah Moore's favor, at least. But the the tag I'm getting on a lot of players that stand out to me um, uh, is slot guy. So is the NFL able to adjust for that? Maybe in Elijah Moore's case, since now I'm looking at conference, I realize how bad the NFL is adjusting to talent through conference at least. Um, but they might be okay at adjusting by role player. For example, I didn't find a lot of trains when looking for are they always seeking Calvin Johnson's versus being accepting when you actually have a... Uh, I'm, names escape me. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald or uh, uh, Odell Beckham, for example, coming from good conferences because that's that's apparently a thing. Um, and I think they are. Like DJ Moore and Calvin Johnson, I don't have ADOT for college. If I did, we, we could do so much better. But still, um, I do have yards per reception, so little asterisk, nerd asterisks here. You should ignore everything I say about who is and who isn't a slot player based on yards per reception. It is a trash stat. It is basically yards per carry, but for wide receiver, but a little better than yards per carry as a stat, but it's the yards per carry of wide receiver, okay? But it's the best thing I have to really indicate where players are playing since I haven't watched tape or I don't prospect that way. Um, so I'm just going to run with it for a little bit. And also I've had a little bit of confirmation on it. But both of those players had like a sub 13 yards per reception. Um, which is a decent indicator that they're not playing very far down the field. For example, from this year's class, you've got Tyler Wallace with a 17 yards per reception, and a, ooh, let's see who else we've got here. Tamorion Terry, who I still want to talk to someone about, but with an 18 yards per reception, I can pretty safely guess that their A dot or where they're playing most on the field is going to be um, high efficiency high volatility plays further or on the outside of the numbers. Not always, because it's yards per reception, which is pretty trash, but there's a fair bucketing between lower to closer to the line of scrimmage and further away. Now, DJ Moore and Calvin Ridley both got decent draft capital. And in their class, which was actually one of my favorite classes to prospect in recent years, 2018, um, that's where the talent was, and the NFL did a pretty good job of adjusting to it. Now, they did definitely overspend on DJ Chark a little bit, but he had a decent profile, and as we've seen in at least one season, he was actually able to transfer that to the NFL to some extent. Christian Kirk was a lower rate guy in the NFL, and again, a lower yards per reception guy in college, and I don't think he hasn't reached the fullest expectations that I had 
to be very clear, I was very high on Christian Kirk. Age 18 breakout, don't you know? But they did spend a second-round pick on with him, along with James Washington, who I was also pretty okay with when age 18, 20% breakout um, age, uh, and he had a 19.8. So they, the NFL spent second-round capital on players across the spectrum, and mostly on the right players. Now, there is an interesting thing when you're thinking generationally about this, especially looking back to 2003, is that there is an increasing number of players with younger production. Now, that's not younger good production, but younger production for sure. And since 2003 the, uh, to around 2012, the average number of players with a breakout age under 20 is around 20, 21 players. Since then, it's around 22, 23 players. Is it a slight increase? Yes. But if you color code it on a table, it really looks like a strong trend that there are an increasing number of players with younger breakout ages recently. Now, that might be a change from high, co- high school and when you're able to go to college for example, or it might be a change in coaches and players recognizing the same trends that we're looking for, which is doing well in the NFL seems connected to early declare, which is definitely going to be a conversation around this class, this offseason and Twitter. A large part of it is going to be about Devontae Smith. And that conversation is going to be ridiculous, by the way. It's going to be uh, divided between people who only like to split things up based on the most recent thing they've seen and players and people who want to exaggerate how bad his profile is and i think the safe thing to do is be safely in the middle of yeah it's fine uh enjoy that and personally i think that's where i'm gonna land but that's it but anyway the other one is going to be early declares which rich harbour brought up last off season and anthony miko was recently i was recently talking to him about it um on twitter as well i still don't i Team designation, like whether you're a freshman or senior or a sophomore, like I'm not sold on it to be very clear, but Anthony was saying he gets a better signal and a higher probability that has relevance, actually based on the screenshot he posted, um, when looking at experience, so whether you're a junior or an early declare or whether you're a senior and late declare, for example, and then age. I'm not entirely sold on these team designation things um, or that we're... I don't even, and and I've had two of the smartest people in this thing that we do try to explain it to me and convince me of it. Rich Harbour is amazing, and Anthony Amico is definitely amazing. Both of them know more about data or actually playing football than I literally could ever hope to, so go follow them. I'm yet to fully understand what they're saying. Um, So yeah, I'm just going to leave that aside for a minute, but I am looking into it a little bit more. Anyway, moving on. Um, So, uh, I can tell you that more and more players are getting earlier uh, production, not necessarily earlier good production. I do think that's because the college program players as well also are aware of the same trends, and there's a generational shift to when you play players and when players get on the field and when they go to college from high school and or how early they get on the field. I think some of that is included in there, which is why the adjustments are important, not just looking at the ages that they played, which kind of feeds into some of my concern, especially when transfers... I barely understand this, but transfer is getting more and more common in the college game, according to Travis May, also a guy you could, should follow who knows more about college than I I literally don't want to know anything about college, so that's not a compliment. But he knows a lot about college, stats, and film. Uh, And I listen to him a lot about what's going on in the college game. 
And then he says some things happen and players are going to start transferring more and more. Now, transferring is where your designations start to get shift, which is why I get really confused in my conversations or did with that one that I was blessed to have with Harbour on Twitter and this one with Anthony, which is that some players that have played four years in college and are drafted after or at the age of 22 aren't, aren't late declares. They're young declares or early declares. So... And again, without understanding college enough, it feels like every time I bring up an example where it didn't work, the solution is, well, we just didn't call them late declare. And that feels like just changing the name so it fits. And I know that's not what they're doing. I just don't understand it. But I don't know how, since I don't understand it, I really don't know how to look at it. Right? So that's my problem with it. Oh, that's not my problem with it. That's why I'm kind of just stuck in a quagmire over that particular issue. But... So, uh, thinking generation, you should be aware that players lately, recently in more recent draft classes, do typically have lower breakout ages, or at least more production at earlier ages, and that's why you adjust by recent trends, not going back all the way to 2003. Uh, And also, there apparently seems to be a strong conference bias, uh, and draft capital does matter, especially when you get stuck on a squad behind Mike Evans, Chris Godwin... Not to mention Justin Watson from the year before. Like, Tampa Bay is the only one who... Anyway. Uh, Antonio Brown. Oh, yeah, that's not an obstacle to a fifth-round prospect in his second year. Anyway, uh, moving on. Thinking generationally. I do think the NFL will do a decent job, as long as they come from the right conference, of adjusting to where the talent is. But they will make mistakes. And there are preferences. And it does depend on the team that's drafting them and how frankly good that team or that staff is at adjusting to where the talent is instead of trying to find something that they highlight or imagine to be what you really need dk metcalf for example um or doro green beckham the time they tried it and they didn't work in the nfl like every other time but anyway um dk metcalf didn't compare to them in any way in terms of production by the way like He's, he's a bad name to put on it. But anyway, so what am I saying? Let's actually mention some players this year. Um, the DJ Moores and Calvin Ridley's uh, not high yards per reception players, for example, that have very good production from this class, in my opinion. Uh, the two names at the top of the list are Rondell Moore and Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood? No, Elijah Moore and Rondell Moore. They're both called Moore. Are they brothers? That would be awesome. But... Again, uh, Moore probably doesn't have a conference problem. Uh, Ron uh, Elijah Moore probably doesn't have a conference problem because he played in the SEC. Rondell Moore might also have some bias to him towards him because of where he comes from at that conference. However, adjusting for what they do in the conference, which is interesting, especially on the stats that matter, the shift between yards per team pass attempt is so slight from conference to conference, it's it's kind of crazy. For example. If you look, uh, and I actually have this in the database just because I've started to look at it. So, you know, I made a tab and I kept it in there so you guys can see it. So uh, the Big Ten West that I was just talking about with Tyler Johnson and now Rashad Bateman and um, Rondell Moore. uh, The average yards per team pass attempt for a wide receiver with more than 30 touches from that conference is around 1.98, right? The SEC West 
and which is where most of the hits, and, you know, I imagine everyone that watches college is like, oh, yeah, that's where all the good players play. Average wide receiver yards per team pass attempt in that conference with greater than 30 touches is 2.98, uh, 2.09, which, you know, you line it up, and, yeah, look, South SEC West players are better, except when you realize it's a difference of 0.12. It's not, a, it's not even a yard, gentlemen. It's not even half a yard. It's a tenth of a yard. Conference adjustments are fun. Anyway, um, they do seem to have relevance. And it is nice to adjust them so no one can come at you with, hey, they played in the Big Ten West where players get .12 less yards per team pass attempt on average. You can't expect the same numbers. Anyway... Um, <laughs> yeah, by adjusting yards per team pass attempts, which was one of the highest signal stats I found outside of eight adjustments, adjusting it for the conference, Rondell Moore and Elijah Wood were both getting significantly higher yards per team pass attempt over their teammates, uh, which is a score I have in there, but also over their conference average. Now, since both of those players have actually reached out and gotten some good feedback from Zach Moore, I know they are playing majority of the work and they're doing their best work, which is what really struck me from Zach's uh, notes, was it's not just that they're playing majoritively there. They seem to play best in that kind of uh, more central to the field role, slot work, as I think it's mostly thought of or abbreviated these days, um, uh, in that area. But the thing is, it's harder to gain more yards per team pass attempt if you're being given fewer yards per team pass attempt in terms of your target. This is where ADOT would be useful. For example, all 2020, I've been trying to point out that yes, Deontay Johnson is good and Chase Claypool's doing amazing, but it's a lot easier to be efficient or to provide extra value to your team if you have a higher ADOT. The equivalent values with lower roles down the field and close to the line of scrimmage are not equal. You can't look at how efficient or how good a player is doing in yards per team pass attempt, for example, for Juju Smith-Schuster when he's basically being handed the ball throughout the first half of the season versus Chase Claypool, who's getting 17 air yards before he even has to worry about making a catch. Those, uh, if you want an adjust an adjustment season are two entirely different situations they're essentially playing two different roles and being efficient or providing extra value in a per team pass attempt actually seems to be a, a rarer skill and so obviously you put your best player in that role that was my argument for Juju Smith-Schuster since they had three good wide receivers why don't we put the one that's going to struggle the least to provide extra value in this area of the field there Let's at least that's what I hope they were doing. Let's put it that way. So, to come back to Rondell Moore and Elijah Wood, adjusted for comf- uh, adjusted for conference, um, in this class, uh, I didn't filter it this way. Give me a second. So, their average yards per team pass attempt above conference average, and again, this is adjusted for their recent conference history based on what I was saying at the start. The best player. In this class, for that stat, above conference average in terms of what they're providing, is actually Tylen Wallace, who I'm actually really interested in, but he has a much further yards per reception, and I think when someone tells me about him, he's going to be getting a lot of those high efficiency, higher variance throws. He's going to be working outside the numbers, as I think the way a tape man would put it. The second is Elijah Moore. 
and he doesn't have a conference problem, which means he would, and this is a player I have reached out on, like I said, and Zach says he's doing most of his work closer to the line of scrimmage, or rather he's a slot guy. Now, he also says he has some problems in his game, and I'd definitely go read Zach's film notes when he publishes them, wherever he publishes them, because they are really fascinating reading and tell you much more about the player himself than literally I ever think I can do. They're, they're definitely information you should take in and get in your head. And there are some problems to his game, according to Zach. But he says he has amazing hands and some other stuff, but he is a slot guy. And he is providing the most yards above conference average in this class while getting some of the lowest value targets, apparently according to this designation of slot guy, in his class. In the SEC South or West... Jordy said it has one of the higher yards per team reception conference averages, and he has the highest above conference. You see what I'm saying? It's it, he's specifically got um, a larger adjustment, and he still comes out top in this class in terms of how efficient he was compared to his conference level. So, hopefully, that's a good thing. Is the NFL able to adjust for that? Maybe for larger more. The second player in this class, based on that stat, is Rashad Bateman. I'm going to start thinking about conference designation as undrafted free agents or draft capital designation at this point. I really hope they break that trend because actually the next two players on the list in terms of providing more value to their team on a per-pass-attempt basis is Bateman and Rondell Moore. The only other guy above them is someone getting 17 yards per reception. So I'm imagining he's getting a lot of air yards under that ball. Neither Bateman nor Moore are going to probably get the draft capital they deserve. Like, they're DJ Moore and Calvin Ridley of this class. Probably two of the best players. But they're coming from worse conferences. And that may affect them. <laughs> um, anyway, the, the, that's where I'm at. I'm starting to wonder if the NFL is able to adjust to where the talent is based on slot or outside the numbers, right? And based on a history of draft capital, I think the NFL can do that. It can target lower A dot or lower yards for reception players if they seem to be the best in the class. What I'm not sure they were willing to do is target players with a stanky conference designation. And that kind of sucks. So I'm going to be hiring more, hiring Bateman, I'm pretty sure, uh, Rondell Moore, um, than most. Um, and what put me onto this, by the way, realizing that there might be something... Um, I saw Travis May recently posting the who would you draft 101 overall, 102 overall. And it wasn't until about the third pick that he started even putting Moore's name in there. And he was nowhere close... Like, no one's interested in drafting more by pick 1-4 right now in rookie drafts. And that blew my mind, just based on the slight glimpse uh, I looked into the one significant year he played, which happened to be age 18. So, yeah, it's going to be a thing. Um, anyway, so, like I said, I think I did this better in my head earlier today. But hopefully, I'm giving you a general conception of where my head's at. Making sure I pay attention to the types of players and what's happening in college in terms of when players are producing in the NFL. And trying to imagine what the NFL is seeking when they look at these players. 
Now, as far as just overall scores, like, yeah, I, I've got those two, uh, obviously. Um, <laughs> uh, Rondon Moore heads the top, but there is, I mentioned this last week, a slight caveat in the fact that, you know, he only played one year, and that's not the best thing to have in your profile. Tylen Wallace, Elijah Moore also come up pretty high. Uh, I think Kalal Shakira is just getting a boost from playing, uh, he played only 31 games and he played in the MWC or the Mountain West Conference. And that's one that requires, and uh, my pre-draft production model doesn't have a lot of conference adjustments, which is something I'm looking into drafting here. Anyway, you can see the whole list and where I'm, what their stats are and where my pre-draft model has them right now. Uh, in that in that database thingy, I think I'm going to get out of here because either I've done a good job or this was interesting or I didn't, and you, you're probably not listening anymore, or you're listening and just hoping it ends, so it's probably a good idea to to leave it there. Um, but I'm really interested in Rondo Moore and Elijah Moore, and I just realized how awkward that's going to be with two players with the last name Moore. So that should be fun too. And the Devontae Smith argument is just going to be stupid. I really, I honestly think it's going to be stupid and stupid fun this season. So make sure you check him out as well. Whether it's tape or looking from the database, preferably both. And uh, yeah, yeah, hit me up with any questions or let me know if this was uh, any good or should talk about something else. Judge players generationally. Not will they be generational, but what's the generation of players they're coming from? Um, yeah, I'm gone. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, thanks again, and I'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Yeah. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the plays, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that, I, I like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road. Go, clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so Jake on the table and they on the plays, though Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so Jake on the table and they on the plays, though Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical